and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. I'm your only host, Nick Amell, and this is the show where we talk about top 10 lists. Every week, either myself or my sidekick host bring a top 10 list along with research supporting that list, fun facts, trivia, hashtag hot takes. The other person tries to guess without knowing the list ahead of time. Today, I'm joined once again by that old pimple that just won't seem to go away. Yes, I know you know who I'm talking about just from that description. It's the good doctor himself, Buster. The Good Doctor, have you seen that show? No. Okay, moving on. Hello, everyone. Have you? Good to be back. No, I haven't. Well, anyway, as a reminder, I've known Buster since middle school, and he keeps coming back on because, well, he's got nothing better going on. And Nick is desperate for good quality people on this show, and he knows that he himself cannot fill that role, so he has to reach out to people he knows will bring the gravity of success and... (laughs) <laughs> yes or no, you, you think you're the best sidekick host yet and everyone else sucks. Is that what you're saying? No, so we I, do not think, I do not think I am best. In fact, I have told Nick that the rotating series of guest hosts have been on the Tennis Podcast show lately have been absolutely wonderful and I'm loving it. And who's your least favorite of that crew? Go ahead. You. <laughs> All right, good answer. To refresh the listeners' minds, Buster was my guest sidekick host back on episode 160, where we covered the top Wikipedia pages of the year. He was also on episode 165, where he brought some shitty list about R-rated films. And he was also a guest on our most recent Tennis Pod Plus bonus episode, where we discussed our top five personal favorite video games. But Buster, before we get started, since it's likely you'll be on the show again in the future, do you know anyone else that could take your spot, like anyone? Is there a homeless man outside your house somewhere that maybe could replace you instead of you keep coming on here? I mean, isn't that your job? I just, no one wants to come on here with me. Well, can you blame them? I mean, good Lord. The two episodes I've been on so far have been some of the darkest days of my entire 31 years, so please. (laughs) Darkest days, those one hours, okay. Well, it takes me a month to get over the emotional trauma that you beat me uh, through over and over on my brain here in this hour-long span. It just, it takes a full month to recover. It's why I'm only on here as often as I am. Well, like I said before, I think it was to you that you're my uh, emotional, psychological punching bag every month when we record. I, in fact, maybe you should come on more often, get more of this rage out of me. Now, see, what I can't understand is why this uh, hate spewing that you do is not equitably shared amongst the other co-hosts. It just tends to really, really manifest on the episodes that Dr. Boost appears on. Coincidence? I think not. Because you're the worst one. You're the worst psychic host we've had. Uh, so, Buster, why don't you redeem yourself here and tell the folks at home what top 10-ish list you brought for me to guess today. The top 10 best-selling vehicles of all time. Of all time. Coming at you from the sources of Car and Driver, Motor Trend, Wikipedia, Kelly Blue Book, and, you guessed it, RepairPal.com. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it, RepairPal. I was waiting for you to say it. So this is best-selling of all time globally. So it's not restricted to any year, and it is worldwide sales. So what we're going to do is, as you guess the list incorrectly, because I know your ass is still going to get this incredibly wrong, after you correctly guess one of the vehicles, I want you to share any memories or associations you have of that vehicle. And then I'm going to request that you Google image here real fast each of these cars and state who you think the stereotypical or the typical driver would be of that model of car. Hmm. Okay. I have brought with me the top 25 in case you guess incorrectly out of the top 10. And I've also brought the top 10 uh, highest selling cars of last year 
And there's only two duplicates mm. on that list, indicating that trends are changing for automobile purchases. I have a couple questions, doctor. First of all, I'm guessing the make and model of car, right? If you get the model, that'll be fine. But yeah, you can throw in the make as well. I mean, you know, I mean, most of the time okay. people know so, the make well, and model, but. Well, I mean, like I wouldn't just say Ford. I would have to say Ford and then whatever vehicle. They... Correct. You'll have to guess the actual car okay. model. They're not car brands. Were you paying attention earlier when I was introducing the episode? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. Um, my next question is, is this based on units sold or on uh, revenue? Units sold. How many vehicles were sold? So the price tag does not matter. Although I will say, if you consider price tag a barrier to purchase, use that as a clue. Gotcha. Okay. But it's just how many vehicles have been sold to date. And I think this list is as of November 2021. Great. And would it be fair to say that even people who don't know anything about cars like myself will recognize probably all of these if they were to Google search an image of that car? You will recognize eight of these 10 vehicles, I am sure. Mm, two of them are probably foreign. I guarantee you've had personal interactions with at least five of them, I would guess. Now, when you say personal interactions, are you talking about having sex with the car like the dragons do on that subreddit? I mean, you certainly might, but I think the average listener will not have tried to fornicate with a vehicle like yourself. So they probably just have fond memories of like parents or ex-girlfriends or best mm. friends owning them. But Boring. Sure. Boring. Would you like to wager a guess of vehicles you think are not on the top 10? Probably, huh. I'm going to guess the PT Cruiser didn't make the top 10. Yeah, the Chrysler PT Loser did not make the top 10. <laughs> PT loser, listen. You know, I will admit that in sixth grade, I just fiended over a purple PT cruiser. That was my dream car in middle school. I'm not even joking. That that is that is a serious confession. I'm gonna edit this because we should pretend you were joking because no one could take that seriously. (laughs) Okay. You want to restate that and and make it like it was a joke? I mean everything I say on this show. Okay. When I think PT cruiser, I think of Walt Jr. in Breaking Bad. That was the car his mom got him. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep. Okay, let me give you a real guess. The station wagon was a staple of, I don't know, 60s and 70s America. Is that in the top 10? I do think the station wagon is more of a general car, like if you said a crossover or hatchback, so it's not an individual model. Okay, okay. There is only one of these cars has been sold in a station wagon type model before. Hmm. See, this is where I'm going to (laughs) struggle. I guess would be something like a Jeep Grand Cherokee or Ford Taurus. Is the Jeep Grand Cherokee in the top 10? No. I would not give you something that's in the top 10 as a clue. How about the Ford Escort? The Ford Escort. You have nailed it. Your first coming in at number seven. You are incorrect. (laughs) I knew it. With 18 million units sold so far. It's a compact car that first broke out onto the scene in 1981 and stopped production in 2003. Why? It stopped production because the Ford Focus kind of took its place. It became far more popular. The Ford Focus has a lot of different trims and it sort of took the Escort's place. Ford Escort was supposed to be more of like a cheap entry-level car that people could, you know, hop into the market with maybe often their first car or like a teenager's vehicle. But yeah, it got phased out 2003. There were three generations of the Ford Escort, and one of the uh, last taglines there for the 2003 Escort was, quote, love is in the air. 
and the commercial and featured two Ford Escorts bouncing and dancing with each other as a red light. And let me tell you, that commercial was only made 20 years ago. It did not age well, and it was such a reminder of how quick society changes. <laughs> I hate love is in the air, you said was a tagline. And it reminds me of all those times you're watching a commercial, a lot of times at the Super Bowl, you're watching a commercial. It's a commercial that's usually like grand or epic. And you're like, what is this, like a movie trailer maybe? And then it transitions to the, in the last five seconds to a car commercial. I'm like, okay. Oh, just wait. There's more of that. So one thing I didn't mention up top is for all the vehicles, I've included some of their commercials or taglines that marketing used to try to sell you these vehicles. Yep. Cool. And I'll put links, any images we talk about and any videos like commercials we talk about, refer to the show notes of this episode and you can get a link for those. And the Ford Escort was also the highest selling vehicle of the 1980s in the United States. Highest selling of the 1980s, okay. So Nick, looking at the Ford Escort, what would you say the stereotypical driver of this vehicle is? Yeah, well, it's funny. So I did a Google image search and the Ford Escort has changed a lot over the years as far as the look. But I would say the Ford Escort is what you said. It's a teenager car, especially those later models. Like I'm looking at some from the 90s. When I see that, I think 17-year-old kid in high school, first car, used Ford Escort. You know, it's an Escort on its last legs, perhaps. That's what I think of. My association for a stereotypical driver in that first ownership, so before it goes to the teenager as a used car, it's kind of like a middle-aged person who maybe doesn't Mm. have all their ducks in a row in life yet, but they're getting things together. They're on the up and up. Maybe they got one kid, but usually I think it's people without a big family. Maybe they're not married yet. And they're just kind of making ends meet and they're driving that Ford Escort around and it's probably got some hubcaps missing and that's typically what I think. That's fair as well. We know you think less of middle-aged people. (laughs) And who doesn't? I do too. That's fine. Wow. It's just despicable. (laughs) Despicable. (laughs) All right. So what would your next guess be? (laughs) Despicable is such a strong word. You know... (laughs) You know, I have to say, it's impressive how you went from zero to 60, to reference a car metaphor, because you went from guessing station wagon as a make and model of a car to nailing number seven. I like to ease into it. I like to set expectations low at the beginning by purposely guessing wrong to give you and the listeners a false sense of where this episode's going to go. And then I overcome, I achieve as we go here. And that's why I'm going to exactly guess the next one. And that's going to be the Ford Mustang. Ford Mustang. I'm glad you built our expectations so high just so that you could tear them down with our typical disappointment because the Ford Mustang comes in at number 25. I knew it. 25 with 9 million. I'd say, you know, it's very popular around the United States. I think that's a good guess coming from an American like yourself. (laughs) But worldwide, (laughs) the Ford Mustang, I don't think translates. God bless America. God bless our troops. You said 9 million sold for the Mustang. Correct. I don't remember. What did you say for the Escort? Escort was 18 million, so double that of the Mustang. So that means in the entire world, if you were to see every Ford Mustang, or sorry, every Ford Escort on the road during your driving years, you would have seen 18 million. That doesn't seem like that many. Right. That's what I thought. So that's one of my overall mentions here for this list is, I'll tell you, number one has only sold 50 million units sold. And that's ever. That's ever. So, yeah. All over the world. Okay. Are there any other Fords in the top 10? There are. There is one Ford remaining in the top. Oh, sorry. There are two Fords remaining in the top 10. What about the Model T? 
The Ford Model T going back to the original, the OG vehicle. Nick, yeah. what number? But Brandon's first car. Brandon still drives that is what I thought. <laughs> I like it going in with me. Uh, I'm going to guess that's number four in the top Number 10. four. Incorrect again. That's number nine. The Ford Model T coming in. Knew it. This is, this is wild. The history of behind the Ford Model T, which I didn't know until I researched for this list, is really fascinating. 16 and a half million units sold. It was only sold from 1908 to 1927. I think a huge mm. part of its success is it was the first affordable and the first mass produced vehicle. So it was, it basically had a corner on the market before anybody else could catch mm -hmm. up. And I think that's why it's still outselling popular cars like the Jeep Grand Cherokee, which people see every day right now, not even close to pulling Ford Model T numbers overall. Yeah, and you said, uh, so I agree with that. You said 1908 to, I think, 1927. That's just under 20 years. And this is back in a time when cars were obviously gaining in popularity, but it was far from the days when everyone had a car. So when you put those two facts together, the relatively short lifespan of 20 years or less, not everyone had a car, and it's still outselling all but eight other vehicles all time. Absolutely. So the first cars were released in the 1880s. The first vehicles were rare. They were expensive, and they were incredibly unreliable, and they all had to be built by hand. Each of them was, was labored over. And of course, people know about the assembly line, the moving assembly line brought out by Mr. Gerald Ford. And no, the, no, the, no. Gerald Ford no. was a president. <laughs> Henry Ford is who you mean. We're going to edit that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> by, by Mr. Henry. You can, you can tell that my PhD is not in history. We know by the famed Henry Ford. And so because of that, it was the first car to achieve any type of international production. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought too, is how like the business of cars internationally, like how that first happened. Now tell me, Nick, how often do you use some charcoal briquettes to fire up the grill in the backyard? Oh, a couple times an hour, usually every day of the week. I just did it right before we recorded. I'm gonna do it right after. A curious fact about the Model T is that once they were running the assembly line for the first time, they used the scraps off the Model T production. They refined those scraps, broke them down, made them into charcoal briquettes. Now, the company, this was originally sold as a Ford-branded bag of charcoal. Eventually, this recycled usage became the common known Kingsford charcoal brand that's still around today. Hmm. It was actually first made by the deconstruction of leftover automobile parts. But Ford is not the, the seller of the coal still. No, they sold it. They sold the rights gotcha. to, to right, Kingsford. Right. What is it called? Brigade coal? Charcoal briquettes. They're like briquettes. the little dumpling looking pieces of charcoal that you light on fire and then get them hot dogs, yeah. roast them before you eat it over an Atlantic airport trash can. Right, Brandon. Right. I agree. Mm. Uh, Buster, be honest. Uh, safe space. You said you never tell a lie on the show. Okay. How many briquette coals have been in your ass? Zero. Do you light them on fire before or after putting them in your ass? Neither. And in fact, if I'm being honest, I think I've only lit a charcoal briquette myself like twice in my life. I'm not a fan of grilling. I find it to be a, a not worth the hassle. And I'm like, why would I cook outdoors when I can cook inside? Well, that's okay. I'll grill you for the rest of this episode. Good one. That was good. The Model T. The driver I think of is just like an old-timey, early 20th century London person in a top hat. 
Yeah, I'm just going to say someone who is not still living because they would have been driving around in the early 1900s. And so my stereotypical driver is anyone alive back then who could afford a vehicle and who was like, I'm getting me a damn vehicle. I'm done with these (laughs) horses. You're fucking done. Did you come across in your research when the first paved roads came to be? No, but it did fascinate me. And I think I know where you're going with this. Because when cars first came out, and I would guess into the 20s and beyond, I don't know for sure, but uh, roads were all dirt still. Anything else on the Model T, doctor? (laughs) I will uh, finish off your point in a more interesting and eloquent manner, being the host, (laughs) and say that it is crazy to consider that every inch, every square inch of roadway in this world was built in like the last 100 years, 90 years. Oh, we've talked about that before off air. Yeah, yeah, you talked about yeah. and just an incredible consideration. Just drive through America or any major country, really, but like the interstate, highway, freeway, whatever you want to call it, system of interconnected roads that go through major cities all the way down to the, to the nothing towns with like a population of 25 people. It all came from nowhere. And yeah, interesting. I agree. I did make an interesting point there. And additionally, I will say that living in rural Wisconsin, when I go to a major city like Milwaukee, Chicago, or Manhattan, it's even more overwhelming to think about all the buildings and the concrete and the infrastructure and the subways that have also been built largely within the last hundred years. I know it's not the same as roadways across all of rural America and Nebraska and Utah and everything, but it's still just, when you look at every square inch of a metro city and think about all the work that went into pouring all that concrete, it's just, it's nothing short of amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, speaking of amazing, why don't I nail the next guest for you? Okay. You said there's one more Ford. I'm going to stay in Ford territory since we're here. And All that right. is going to be the Ford F-150 truck. Ford F-150 built Ford tough. That's mm-hmm. right. Coming in at number two is the Ford F-Series. Holy shit. That's high. Number two, the Ford F-Series, 40 million units sold. This 28 was... million of those 40 million are in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I think half of those are sold during Ford Truck Month, which is <laughs> notorious in Oklahoma. This truck was introduced in 1948. It has been the highest selling truck for many of those years since 1981. It also has been the best-selling vehicle period in Canada since 1981. That, that was a real brain bender for me. Yeah. Canada. Canada. I thought all their cars were shaped like maple syrup bottles. You are just on fire. You are on absolute (laughs) fire today. Give me a break. (laughs) I just didn't think Canadians drove a lot of pickup trucks. Thought they were, you know, just slightly more of a of the fancy boy when it came to their car selection. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I did too. So I have a personal story to tell about the F-150 for my association. It's something that I laugh about. Last year, I went on a trip to Botswana, and we flew through South Africa, the country South Africa, and we're on a, a relay shuttle from the hotel to the airport. My first time going intercontinentally to Africa, and what's the first car dealership we drive by? Ford. Ford. And there's a Ford F-150 pickup truck in the window spinning on display, (laughs) being sold in Africa. And I just thought, did I even leave America? Totally did not expect to see that. And again, you said it was spinning in the window of this dealership. 
But in Oklahoma, people just do that in their homes. They build a little thing and Ford pickup just spins in their house. That's right. And they worship it. Not one speck of dust will ever touch the, uh, <laughs> the paint of that Ford F-150 because they certainly didn't get it for work. Yep. I remember when we were in high school and college, people had the dangling testicles off the back of their pickup trucks. Yep. And I'm, I only see one of those every so often. I'm glad that's a trend that didn't stick around. Yeah, that's, it was like bull testicles, right? Hanging from... Yes. Speaking of bull testicles, the marketing slogan used to sell the F-150 this year is, quote, the beast cometh. Nope. Not even lying. Nope. And there is a four-minute dramatic introduction of the all-electric F-150. And it was exactly what you mentioned earlier. You could, you would thought that you would be watching the preview for the next inspiring sci-fi thriller film yeah but instead the tagline is remember where you were when you heard about it talking about the first all-electric f-150 now i i will say i'm glad that there's an electric version coming out i do too it surprised me but i'm very glad to hear it hey let me ask you something now that in however many years or decades when everyone's driving electric cars does that mean like revving engines is done at that point yes Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's all worth it just for that. Thank you, Elon Musk. Yeah, because electric vehicles tend to not make a ton of noise. Right. I can't wait to get an electric vehicle. My next car will be electric. Yeah, sitting in a Tesla, I've ridden in a couple of friends' Teslas, and then when I step back into my Scion TC, I just feel like I went 40 years in the past, and <laughs> I feel disgruntled about my vehicle all the way home. As you should. They're wonders. They're works of art. So, humble brag, huh? Oh, I know all these people with Teslas. Oh, man, my friends, you just, you wouldn't understand, Nick. All right. So, the Ford F-150's priority this year is they're really trying to get more fuel economy while not sacrificing the experience of owning a Ford F-150. I'll say my personal reference to an, a Ford F-150, my dad has owned one for the majority of my life. When mm-hmm. I was growing up, he had a, a mid-90s model with big side mirrors. That just screams childhood to me when I think about that red truck. And he currently still drives a silver 2001 Ford F-150 that's still working 22 years later. Well, and it only has like legit 40,000 miles or something crazy like that on it after 20 years. Because he does not drive very far nor very frequently. No. Listen, we could go on a whole sidebar about Buster's dad. Listeners should remind us to go in depth on that sometime. That's right. Interesting guy. But so without letting my dad contaminate your thoughts, what do you think the typical owner of a Ford F-150 is like? Well, around where I live, it's going to be one of two people. Someone that is wearing a cowboy hat and boots or like a gym rat type, you know, muscle head type guy that's wearing a cutoff tee and has an energy drink in the car with him. Definitely wearing some flannel on the weekends with some faded jeans. Yep. Oh, yeah. But what I will say in the gambit of pickup trucks, I tend to think of the F-150 as more of a middle-aged man's choice, where the Dodge Ram, which is not on this list, I tend to think of younger guys, college, 20s, maybe even early 30s. Yeah, when I think of more like gym rats, I think about people who own Dodge Rams, but F-150 is more of kind of a, a guy who's got a couple of kids, maybe on second or third house, does some work, you know, maybe helps carry some people's furniture for people, you know, not a lot of manual labor, but instead driving it to the office and loves to hear some Dirks Bentley on the commute. Yeah, I'm not surprised it's in the top 10, but I am surprised it's way up at number two. And I will say for last year's top selling vehicles, it is number one 
with 730,000 units sold last year alone. Wow. In fact, for 2021, the top three are all pickup trucks. Number two is the Dodge Ram at 570,000 units, and number three is the Chevy Silverado at 530,000 Silverado, units. that's the other big one. I'm get, so you already said Dodge isn't, the Dodge Ram is not in the top 10. What about the Correct. Silverado? Correct, and neither is the Silverado. So Ford is killing it there. They are killing it. They're standing out. Let's move out of Gerald Ford's vehicle company now. <laughs> Talk about some others. I think my friends at Honda, let's see, there's two Honda. Let's do the Honda Civic, somewhere in the top five. Mmm, you were close, super close, my friend. Number six bears the title Honda Civic at 18.5 million units sold. This is a compact car made since 1972. It is currently on its 11th generation. Wow. They're currently working on faster and better performance. And quote, see ya. (laughs) <laughs> is the marketing tagline they're using this year. Because when people think fast and SIA, they think a Honda Civic. Right. The commercials feature people on the go, getting errands done quicker than other people, and also showing people having fun while indulging in everyday tasks. Quote, forget the rest, and quote, driving fun are two of the other taglines they're using to sell the Civic these days. According to Reliability Index, it's only the 20th most reliable car, which surprised me. I thought it'd be higher up on the food chain. Yeah, me too. And for those who uh, are fans of the Fast and Furious films... Oh, and who is They'll note that the opening scene of the original Fast and Furious film features three black Honda Civics used to rob a semi-truck. So they were robbing what? They're robbing a semi-truck full of DVD players, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and... It's really aged. I was going to say, yeah, and if you don't like Fast and Furious and you don't have Fast and Furious tattoos all over your body because you love it so much, then just unsubscribe because you're in the wrong place. Speaking of unsubscribing, he won't because he's a listener of the show and loves that John Cena has become the sole voice for all Honda ads starting last year. That's interesting. Well, it's a good thing he's lending his voice and not his body because then you wouldn't be able to see him. Because you wouldn't be able to see him. Yeah. Which I'm way over that joke, but I felt like I had to do it. The Honda Civic. When I think Honda Civic, this is another one where I think usually when I see a Honda Civic, it's an old, old beat up car that has like 200,000 plus miles on it. Also, if it's not an old beat up Honda Civic, it's one that's been souped up to look quote unquote cool with like a spoiler and whatever else on it. Yep. Stereotypical driver for me for the Civic is what you might call a racer boy, B-O-I, who has tricked it out. Loves to drive it, loves to clean it, loves to take pictures of it, show it off, drive around town, find the, the fun cruise spots. You could also be referring to my dick right there. <laughs> loves to clean it, loves to show it off. Takes it around town. It's for <laughs> younger people. Well, I don't know about that last line, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I think there's, a, there's another part of the Honda Civic, and maybe it's because my neighbor has one, but I do think about people who are responsible, they're very conscious of fuel economy, and Mm. they just want like a trusty, reliable car to get them to and from. Sure, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And that makes me want to guess another Honda, which is the Accord. You are on fire, my friend. Of the numbers left, what do you think the Honda Accord comes in at? I have to think the Civic's higher than the Accord, which leaves spot eight and 10, and I'll I'll go with 10. Incorrect. That would be number eight. Number eight. 
The Honda Accord at 17 and a half million cars sold. That was my first car. This is the one that has come out in the past as a station wagon. It's been released through a variety of body styles since 1976. In other countries, it's also known as the Honda Inspire. It's mm. an intermediate size sedan. That's the most common version. And it was uh, in 1982, the Honda Accord became the first car from a Japanese manufacturer to be produced in the United States. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we're currently on the 10th generation of the Honda Accord. And Nick, you shared just a moment ago that this was your first vehicle. Yeah. So the Accord is just like a bigger Civic, right? Yeah, it's kind of a four-door sedan version of, of yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so this was my first car. It was a hand-me-down from my papa. <laughs> I don't know if you even remember it, Buster, because like two months into having my driver's license, I got T-boned in this car and it was totaled. I was okay, but the car was not. That's it. So when you ask who, do, who is the typical driver for the Honda Accord, me, that's who I think of. And that's my personal memory is getting T-boned. Is there any hope, even just a, an ounce of possibility that we could go back in time and have you and the car trade places? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I want everyone to pause, listeners. Think about this. When you, when you hear the beginning of this show or any episode and you think, wow, Nick's really bullying, that he's mean, Nick's getting, being too harsh, which I hear sometimes. I want everyone to remember moments like that from Buster that are usually caught off air, but we happen to catch one on air now. And now you see good doctor isn't so good after all. After Nick's carrying on, I'll mention that the tagline for this year's Honda Accord is, quote, the most impressive Honda ever because the Honda Accord's priority going forward is to make it safer, to make it better, safe for families, but higher fuel economy without sacrificing any of the fun designs included in the Accord. According to Honda. According least. to Honda. Excellent. And it is rated as the 19th most reliable car. What is the number one most reliable car? I don't remember. Okay. Thanks. People hold on to their Honda Accord for an average of eight and a half years. Yeah. Honda Accord and Civic, and I guess just Honda in general, I have to assume is one of, if not the longest duration cars, however you want to say that. What you just mm. said, like people own it the longest. Right. So who do you think the stereotypical owner of a Honda Accord is besides a just overwhelmingly disappointing young man named Nick? <laughs> overwhelmingly disappointing. Have you been talking to my father? <laughs> or your father? Yeah, right. For me, and maybe I'm dumb for doing this, but the Accord and Civic kind of go hand in hand to me. Mm, okay. So I guess I see them as kind of the same type of owner. You know what? I'll take that back. I think the Accord is more of the middle age kind of person who's got more money than your teenagers or young 20s. What do you think? Yeah, I think of young woman probably in her late 20s, early 30s, first child, you know, or even the, the young dad in his 30s, I don't think that they've tricked it out. They've not put a lot of aftermarket parts into it, but they got it because it's spacious. It's a four-door car. And so it's not the flashiest thing in the world, but it is reliable and it's roomy, spacious, and they don't have to sacrifice on any features. Damn. Did you get your PhD in car owner psychology? Because <laughs> I think you nailed it. Yeah, it's my minor, actually. Very good. Thank you. Are there any other Hondas in the top 10? No, you have maxed out your Hondas. In fact, left, we only have three different car makers. You've got number 10, number 5, number 4, number 3, and number 1. Let's recap what we have so far. Number 9 is the Ford Model T. 
Number eight is the Honda Accord. Number seven is the Ford Escort. Number six is the Honda Civic. And number two is the Ford F-Series pickup truck. I have to go with another Japanese manufacturer, and that is Toyota. Okay. You're getting warm. Corolla. You nailed it. <laughs> number one is the Toyota oh, number Corolla. number one. Number one, numero uno. Yes. Number one, the Toyota Corolla. 50 million units mm. sold. It is a compact vehicle introduced first in 1966, and it became the best-selling car only eight years later in 1974. In eight years, it revolutionized Not Not people's bad. consuming trends. And this is in the 60s and 70s when, you know, I don't know, Japan and America weren't the best friends at that time. Right, yeah, but people were still buying Corollas. Right. They weren't even being produced in the United States yet, right? Because the Accord was the first car to be produced, so it became the best-selling car worldwide just by shipping them over and selling them in the United States. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, Toyota sedans are all named after crowns in different language. Corolla is Latin for small crown. How cute, because it's a small sedan. <sighs> it's cute. Sure, it's cute. Toyota Corolla now in their 12th generation? Tagline, and I'm not making this up from their Super Bowl ad, it can help you find a bathroom and it can help you find a bathroom if you really need it. Featuring that Alexa is now built into the Toyota Corolla. Say the tagline again. It can help you find a bathroom and it can help you find a bathroom when you really need it. And the commercial features a woman who really has to go to the bathroom. She stops at a sketchy gas station in the middle of a desert. She sees a portly fellow coming out of the bathroom, wiping his head, sweating, knowing he did some real damage in that bathroom. And she stares at him for a second, and then she drives off thinking, maybe I don't have to go that bad. I mean, that is a cute idea for a commercial, but I don't know. I feel like there's better taglines out there than making your buying audience think about a fat guy like destroying a public bathroom in the desert. Yeah, being super sweaty, looking like he just did... A full day's work in that restroom. <laughs> he did, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, I don't know. I don't know if you're this way, but when I watch stupid commercials, I often have a sarcastic retort, just like the things that they didn't think about in that boardroom. And I'm just thinking, for a vehicle that has so much to offer people, it's the best-selling car in the world. Your tagline is centered around the fact that it has GPS in it. Well, so does everybody's phone that's right. already in the car with them. I just don't think you should hang your hat on that approach. I totally agree. I think it's cool and neat that Alexa's in there, but Alexa's already on my phone and in my house. And like, I, I don't know. But on the other hand, Buster, the Toyota Corolla is the undisputed king of vehicles. Maybe they're just kind of cruising at this point, marketing-wise. Because look at this. The Ford F-Series, the number two vehicle on the list, has 40 million. Toyota Corolla has about 10 million more than that at 50 million. Yeah. And all the other cars we've talked about are in the teens. So like, it's way up there. It's a firm number one. It has a handsome, handsome lead. 50 million. Number two is at 40 million. Number three, which you've not guessed yet, comes in at 30 million. So it's Mm. way above. It's over double number four. Yeah. Another tagline they're using this year to sell it is Find Your Groove, featuring five people dancing in the car. That was the official ad sponsored with the Olympics to showcase that the interior of the new Corolla is a little bit bigger than previous models. Yeah, a little. It's like, what, 10% bigger maybe? Like, you probably wouldn't even notice unless you went from one Corolla to the other. And even then you're like, oh, okay. So now I guess in Latin, Corolla means not as small of a crown. 
Yeah. Very good, Buster. My personal reference to the Corolla is that my mother owned a dark red and maroon colored Corolla while I was in elementary school. Hmm. True story. Yeah, I, I've known so many people that owned Corollas. My Corolla. Buster. <laughs> so who do you think the stereotypical driver of the best-selling car in the world would be? I think it's moms, like your elementary school mom. Mm, only mom, sexist. Okay, got it. <laughs> so who do you think then? Well, I tend to think of it as younger people. Definitely, maybe not the first car, but like someone who's in college. They haven't really done much to it. Uh, they don't really care about the trim. They just really like the gas mileage. And they like that it's small. It's easy to maneuver. But if it's secondhand or thirdhand, if it's used, I tend to think of it with lower income families or people who might not, you know, they're making ends meet. And the Corolla, it serves its purpose. It's great on gas mileage. It's not huge. It comes in cheap and it's reliable. If I get it with 100,000 miles, I don't have to worry about this thing crapping out on me completely in another year or two. Well, I know it's going to be around. Yeah. So it's like the Honda where it's a relatively affordable car that's reliable and can last forever. Yeah. And I will say, as a person who does like vehicles, I've never been that interested in a Corolla. I am in the market for a new car this year, which is also one of the inspirations for this list. And the Toyota Corolla has kind of caught my eye. I think they've done a lot of good things with it in the last few years. And So you're not going to go electric this time, huh? I'm thinking about it. I don't know. A real shock to my system was realizing just how inflated the, the used car market has become because of the microchip shortage. And it was overwhelming to see used Corollas, used Camrys are more expensive than the new ones right now. Well, you mentioned the Camry. How about the Camry? Is it in the top 10? Toyota Camry is not in the top 10. You've got four cars remaining on this list, and three of them are of the same brand. And then one of them is a car that I know you probably have not heard of. So let's go ahead and get that one out of the way. Okay. Coming in at number five is the Lada Riva, also known as the Vaz 2105. This car is a compact sedan made by Avto Vaz. Of course. Coming out of the former Soviet Union, also known aka as Russia. Hmm. Currently causing a pretty big stink on the global stage. Yeah, fuck you, Russia. 19 million units sold. This car was made and sold from 1980 until 2012. The 2001 model, this might be a reason that they stopped producing this car. The 2001 model received zero out of four stars for safety, and it cleared zero of 16 safety checks for a collision oh God. Uh, happening in the front. How many stars did it get for starting unnecessary wars with the neighboring countries? That would be a four out of four stars. Gotcha. Yeah, never heard of this thing. Let me look it up. Say it again, the name Lada Rida? Lada Riva, L-A-D-A space R-I-V-A. Yep, I see it. Lada Riva. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episode when Elaine suspects that she is dating a communist and Kramer's like, well, does he wear drab clothing? Does he not care about the labels or the designs? And she's like, yeah, I think so. Because when you look at this car, uh, the person who would buy that vehicle certainly does not care about it being flashy or looking good. I mean, it looks like... No, the... no. Yeah. It doesn't look too many steps up from the Model T. It is the plain piece of paper version of a sedan. <laughs> yeah. It's very boxy shaped too. 
It is not getting anyone excited about driving. Yeah, they really went with the most simplest basic aesthetic they could. Yeah, and I wonder if in the Soviet Union and in Russia, because of a limited market, and you know, because they have the communist government, if there's not as much choices, if that's one of the only reasons this car sold as many units as it did as such a drab and not exciting car, because maybe they just didn't have as many opportunity for choice. Yeah, I wouldn't want to drive this thing. Yeah, I think stereotypical person is someone who was left no other choice. They lived in Russia and they bought a lot of Riva. Me too, but add a big like fur hat to their head like George wears in that one Seinfeld episode. A big fur hat, and no matter what time of day, you can bet that there's at least one container of vodka stashed somewhere in the Lotta Riva. Exactly. Hey, speaking of George, how about the 89 LeBaron? Is <laughs> no. Owned by John Voigt. Is that in the top 10? It is not. No. The remaining three vehicles are all of the same car maker. Okay. So when you get one, it's going to be a domino effect. Chevrolet? Not Chevrolet. Chrysler. Not Chrysler. Christ, that was a bad guess. <laughs> it is German-made. Oh, German. BMW. Not BMW. Wait, is it BMW German? You're getting pretty close. German. It has several iconic vehicles, which are embedded in pop culture. One of those associated with the 1960s. The Bug. Yes. Made by who? Yeah. Oh, Volkswagen? Volkswagen! Absolutely. The Volkswagen Beetle at 23.5 million units sold, also known as the VW Bug, was sold from 1938 to 2003, coming in at number four. Number four, okay. Number four. I knew it. I may have heard about this before, but I was definitely reminded of it. Did you know that the VW Bug was designed by the members of the National Socialist Party, a.k.a. the Nazis, because Hitler wanted a cheap and simple everyday car to be mass-produced so that they could get to work on using the country's new system of roads that the Socialist Party put out. Huh. So, everyone out there driving a bug, just stop what you're doing, look up at the sky and say, thank you, Hitler. Thank you, Nazis, for my bug. That's right. Everyone who loves their VW bus or VW bug and thinks that it represents freedom and compassion and free-spirited and I won't be told by the man what to do, just know... You're driving a Nazi car. Yeah, well, so they just wanted, like, basically to build a cheap but sustainable vehicle to pump them out real quick to get people using the roads. They did, yes. That was the goal yeah, behind okay. the first Beetle. But by 2003, we can all agree, no longer a Nazi vehicle. We're just doing it for the yucks, for the lulls, that the meaning of Volkswagen and the Beetle evolved over time. And what was interesting is they were going to start producing those right there in the late 30s, but the Spanish Civil War halted the initial production. Oh. So actually, the Beetle was an idea for probably close to a decade before it actually started getting produced. How many other vehicles did Hitler uh, design? I don't know. This is, I had no idea about the Volkswagen Beetle in association with uh, Hitler and, and the Nazis until I was building this list, but I think that might have been it. I mean, if there are others, they certainly didn't rise to the same amount of cultural popularity in the West as the VW Bug. Yeah, and Lindsay Lohan didn't drive around in one for a movie. <laughs> so my association with the Volkswagen Beetle is there's a chain of banks in the area in which Nick and I grew up, and it's called First Bank. And I remember vividly that <laughs> in the early 2000s, all the chain of that, that First Bank in the area bought a bunch of yellow Beetles 
and they put faces on them and giant yep. red lipstick and big eyelashes and the yellow VW Beetles drove around town with the first bank logo on the side of it. They were kind of hot. I will tell you that when I think of VW Bugs throughout any part of their production, I instantly think about the first bank Beatles driving around suburban Oklahoma. Yeah, and it begs another question. I asked you earlier about the coal. How many of those first bank VW Beetles have been in your ass? Uh, you know, if I'm honest with you, they always seemed a little bit out of my league, so I just didn't try. <laughs> okay. You might have went with the Civic then. One last little bit of trivia. After Germany stopped the production of the VW Beetle in 2003, Mexico actually picked it up, pumping out a few years of the VW bug, stopping in 2019. But that production was pretty limited. Hmm. So you can find some newer Beetles around. Uh, I've seen them. Not with very much regularity or frequency, but yeah, those all were produced in Mexico and, and the VW bug has stopped production anywhere in the world in 2019 and VW is very stern in saying they have no plans to revamp the bug anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons, but it's curious, like such a, you know, one of the top 10 best-selling cars ever made, they just stopped production on it. It's an icon. Yeah, it seems like there's money to be made there. They'll probably bring it back someday for like a retro thing. Now, besides people driving home from Woodstock, who may or may not be coming off a bender of multiple hallucinogens, who do you typically think of as a driver of a VW Beetle? Lindsay Lohan in a racing outfit. That movie, Herbie. Oh, that's right. Other than that, I don't know, maybe like, you know, super environmental people or mm. something like that. Environment, you know, like... Like a college professor? Yes. Thank you. That, like a college professor. Or someone who works for a nonprofit? Yes, taking the words right out of my head, Buster. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't think the VW Beetle is necessarily that fuel efficient, but I think there's just the aura to it that you there's care a about the environment. That it is. Yeah, kind of like Subaru. I I don't think Subaru is necessarily known for its fuel economy, but you know, I I associate Subaru owners with crunchy, environmental, really caring about that type of stuff. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, they can all go to hell. <laughs> you know, the last two cars left on the list are both Volkswagens. Yeah. So, Volkswagen. Ugh. Okay, number three is named after a sport. A sport that might be boring to watch on television or play yourself, for that matter. Golf? The Volkswagen Golf comes in at number three with 30 million units sold. Forgot that was a thing. It's a compact car. Often sold as a hatchback since 1974, eight generations of the Volkswagen Golf. It was the best-selling car in Europe in 2001. Hmm. Yep, the Volkswagen Golf tagline for 2023 or 2022 is, quote, where life happens, showing people having fun, getting married, and doing the best things that could happen in life in their Volkswagen Golf. So they must be listening to tennis podcasts then. The They're car. listening to this podcast, driving around in their Volkswagen Golf. 10% of golf owners uh, end up having the car for over 15 years. So people who buy a golf Holy shit. love it and they stick with it and they say, I got you, babe, and I don't need anybody else. <laughs> I, I think that's a direct quote. Uh, but you said the, I think it was the Honda Civic, the average ownership was eight and a half years and we were both like, oh yeah, that's a long time. This fucking thing has 15 years as the average. That's crazy. Well, to be, no, no, no. So to be fair, this isn't the average. It's just that 10% of people have owned it for over 15 oh, 10%. years. 10%. So okay. I actually don't know what the average is, but some people, one in 10 people are extremely loyal to this car. 
That's great news for those people. That's right. And apparently the Golf R is their performance trim. And this year's tagline for the Golf R is, after two decades, we are still looking great. That's spelled (laughs) G-R-8. I hate it. Because it's the eighth generation. I hate it. All right, Nick, you're rounding it out. We've got one last vehicle on the list coming in at number 10. You know it's a Volkswagen. Do you know what the luxury, (sighs) big old smooth riding sedan is called for Volkswagen? I mean, probably, but I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Volks, is it the Atlas? The Jetta? Not the Atlas. It is two syllables. Tiguan? <laughs> nope. I'm looking at Volkswagen models. Uh, I don't know. Tell me. It's a Volkswagen Passat. I don't know this fucking thing. The Volkswagen Passat. That's spelled P-A-S-S-A-T. This must be big in other countries because I don't feel like I see these in America. Yeah, that, that one of my notes is that I have no personal reference to this car because I've never known anyone, no, I've n- never known even an acquaintance to own a Passat. Yeah, me neither. 15 million units sold. It is a large luxury sedan sold since 1973. It's in its eighth generation. The tagline used to sell it this year is, quote, luxury you can't give up. And it showcases Passat owners driving through the mountains and passing several nomadic people sitting around campfires Doing some backpack hiking. And Uh their other tagline is, quote, refined takes the lead. After showcasing the car as an answer to what comes next for a line of luxury vehicles. Their focus is uh, providing buyers with luxury features without increasing the price. I don't buy it that they're not increasing the price. But yes, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't like the luxury brand Mm. like marketing on any of these. Looking at that picture, what do you think the stereotypical driver of a Passat is? Well, these pictures are all taken in front of like scenic, na- na- like I'm looking at one in front of mountains. I'm going to say that this is someone adventurous, but also not short on change, not short on extra cash. Maybe someone in their 40s or 50s that likes to travel. An upper level executive, a business person. Who definitely is probably in their 40s. They've made a good chunk of change. And yes, as a matter of fact, they do care if they have seat warmers or not. (laughs) As someone who has seat warmers now, I can't ever imagine myself going without it. Hot take. So I guess that is luxury I can't live without. My booty's warm enough. I do not need heat warmers. I believe it. That's a hell of a booty he's got. A hell of an ass he's got on him, people. (laughs) Well... After some initial struggling, Nick, I do thank you. You came up in the end, and we've got the top 10 best-selling cars of all time globally. Going back through them, we've got the Volkswagen Passat at number 10, 9, the Ford Model T, 8, the Honda Accord, 7, Ford Escort, 6, Honda Civic, 5, Lada Riva, 4, Vol- I don't know why I'm saying that with a Hispanic accent, because it's Russian. Because you're an asshole. 4 is Volkswagen Beetle. Three, Volkswagen Golf. Two, Ford F-Series pickup. And number one, the uncontested champion at 50 million units sold. 50, almost 60 years of success, the Toyota Corolla. Yeah, and still going strong, too. Still going strong. I suspect that they're going to they're gonna hold that title for a while. Let me double check. Whoa, actually, for 2021 sales, Toyota Corolla is not in the top 10. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's number one for 2021? Ford F-150. Oh, that's right. I think you said that. 
But you might be a Toyota Corolla owner soon here, huh? I might be a Toyota Corolla, so I'm going to try to get him back in the running for 2022. <laughs> Buster will put him back over the edge. I'm going to buy a, a thousand Toyota Corollas. <laughs> Just to, for reasons unknown to even myself. But that is the Dr. Buster way. He does things that nobody understands. It's that time again, your favorite time of the week. It's time for me to read the latest reviews about tennis podcasts from listeners like you. The first one is on Apple Podcasts. It comes from Damien. Damien says, I listened to episode 149 about the top 10 paranormal cases investigated by Ed and Lorraine Warren. It was a great episode. The guys are well-informed and witty, irreverent and insightful, which is the best combo of traits for a top 10 list of scary but probably made-up paranormal stories. Yeah. Looking through the episode catalog, the subject matter of the podcast is vast, and I think this podcast is great for anyone, providing you're not a minor. Great work, guys. Now, should you not be a minor because that episode you listened to was spooky? Or because me and Brandon or whomever else I'm hosting with has a bit of a potty mouth? I don't know, but you're probably right. Probably not good to play this in front of the uh, six-year-old you're babysitting today. Thanks for the review, Damien. One more here from 19Trixie75 on Apple again. Fun podcast mixing pop culture with random trivia and dry humor. The hosts have great chemistry. My new go-to pod for decompressing after work. Trixie, I'll have you know my humor is very wet and moist, not dry. But I appreciate it anyway. And I also like to know that this is how you decompress after work. Which is good because my blood pressure gets high and I get stressed when I record. So glad somebody's benefiting from that. But seriously though, uh, it is cool to hear when and where folks are listening to the show. So always feel free to include that in your review. And on that note, if you want me to read your review, just rate us five stars and write a review on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser, or on the Good Pods app. And I'll read its ass on a future episode. All right, let's get back to the discussion with Dr. Buster. After we hit the gas pedal and zoom on out of here, the one thing I would do want to include in this episode that we forgot to mention up top, Nick, what vehicles do you currently own and operate oh. within your household? I am the proud owner of the prestigious luxury Hyundai Tucson. <laughs> Hyundai Tucson, and then do you have another vehicle? Oh, we, we have a Jeep as well, Jeep Cherokee. Jeep Cherokee. All right. This household, we're rocking. Neither of those were on the list. No, they weren't. Well, actually, the Jeep Grand Cherokee is number eight for 2021 sales. Hmm. Okay. Because of me. Featured at number four in 2021 sales is a vehicle owned in our household, and that's a Toyota RAV4 crossover. Mm. And then I own a 2012 Scion TC, which was not very popular and has been discontinued for such reasons. Ugh. Ugh. What is wrong with you? Ugh, I have a bad taste in my mouth now. <laughs> I can't believe I did this whole episode talking to a Scion owner. One last little bit of trivia I almost forgot to squeak in here is that in the top 10 from last year, five of those are SUV crossovers, small SUVs. Not yeah. a single SUV crossover is in the top 10 of all time. They're all cars or trucks. So I suspect this list is going to change over time and those crossovers are going to start rising through the ranks. I think you're right. I think they're going to cross over into the top 10 very soon. Uh, I know that's my preferred vehicle these days as a crossover because they're big, but not too big. And they got a hell of an ass on them too. Couldn't have said it better myself. Trunk space. Well, speaking of trunk space, Buster, I'd like to thank you and your trunk for being here today. Buster, don't forget to check with that homeless man outside, see if he can replace you next time so we can have a more interesting 
next episode that you're on. Will do. And to the listeners, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tennis Pod. You can find us on YouTube at Tennis Podcast. Subscribe to us there. I'll be back next week for episode 171 with a new guest sidekick host. And until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Vroom, vroom.